Welcome to Unseen Orbits, a podcast where we talk about art, life, faith, and some of the underlying connections between them all. My name is Nuri. My name's Adam. Hey, Adam. Uh, this week, uh, I just wanted to tell you about something that happened to me last week that sort of made me a little bit depressed, <laughs> and uh, I, th- I think you'll, I think you'll understand why I was depressed. So, like, bring it. I was, uh, so I was in a part of Chicago that I'm not often in. It's kind of like this hyper cool hipster uh, <laughs> part of town um, called Wicker Park. You remember Wicker oh, Park? <laughs> I was gonna guess Wicker Park or Lincoln. Yeah, Park, yeah, yeah. But Wicker Park's a little yeah, more hip. No, Link- I guess. Lincoln Park, yeah. Lincoln Park's more where like the rich people do it. And then, yeah, I, I went to Lincoln Park High School. I bust in. I didn't live in the neighborhood, but I had friends who went, who like lived in the neighborhood, went to the high school there. And they would say stuff like, oh, I went antiquing with my mom the other day. I just had, I had no idea what the heck they were talking about, dude. So that's Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park is where people go antiquing with their moms. Uh, In Wicker Park, there are a bunch of stores called vintage stores. Dude, all Uh, over the place, man. I remember that. I guess. I don't know. I'm like old, so I have no idea. I guess vintage is like the new thing. Yes. Like. Like people are just like super into old stuff, all that. Yes. There's a bunch of stuff that's popping up. Um, uh, we I stopped by. There's this place called the Belmont Army Surplus where they have a bunch of stuff on the top. But like, if you go downstairs, it's like Army Surplus type stuff. Where, by the way, that was a weird thing too. Apparently, you could buy like Army medals and stuff from this place, <laughs> like genuine medals for three bucks, like the bars and stuff for kernels and whatever. It's really weird. Uh, but then alongside that is a bunch of concert, vintage concert, like, you know, Metallica t-shirts and like uh, Ice Cube t-shirts, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So there's like this row of vintage stores. But among those is uh, there's this really kind of new hip kind of thing, like I guess like all the young people go to called Round 2. And so Round 2 was started by... Uh, this guy, I hope I don't get his name wrong. His his name is Sean Weather, Sean Watherspoon, I think is his <laughs> name, right? And so like he was a kid. I think he grew up in like the Northeast in America, small town. So he couldn't get ever get his hands on like Jordans and things like that. And so what he did was he was like he wanted to start a store where kids like him who grew up in small towns couldn't get their hands on this stuff. So he started vintage stores and resale shops in like small towns yeah. across America. Nice. And lo and behold, it became kind of like the hype beast, uh, like, you know, like kind of hipster central type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they they buy particularly old shoes is what they buy, like or like, you know, and not old necessarily, but like they they buy shoes. And so, you know how it's I I don't know if you've noticed, but sneaker culture has exploded. Oh, yeah. It's it's out of control now where Jordans will be like tens of thousands of dollars, you know, and like. Anyway, so this is what they do, but they also run like a vintage uh, store in there as well. And so I'm walking in. I don't know about you. So I just turned 40, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I think vintage, I'm thinking like 70s, tapes, 8-tracks, that kind of thing, right? Bro, I walk in into the vintage store and (laughs) I immediately, immediately feel old because everyone in there is in high school or maybe college. Mm-hmm. And I walk around, and dude, I kid you not, the stuff that they count as vintage now is stuff that was out when I was an upperclassman in high school 
and in college <laughs> and that is what is vintage like it was like they had like they had this in sync poster oh that came out gosh. when i was the album came out when i was 19 right and it's vintage now it's totally old dude. and like the vintage concert tees are all the stuff like eminem stuff and i'm like what <laughs> like and then the stuff that's like really like valued was like stuff from like uh like the the bulls last championship run which was like oh, my yeah. senior real, in high school real real vintage yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right and then like they didn't have eight tracks dude they had cds oh yeah that's what right, was right, vintage right, right. yeah so like and then some tapes but like mostly like it was cds and stuff and then like the other thing was i don't i don't know if you had these growing up but uh do you remember those starter jackets oh yes of course it's one of my prized possessions treasure wait you you still have it no i don't i oh. wish i, I, wish I had. well if you wanted to buy your starter jacket again you can go to these stores and buy them for like three four hundred dollars oh, now yeah the, and, and it's not like reissues where it came out again it's like literally the, the jackets from back then right and then right, so right. like yeah and the price tags are like two three four hundred dollars i remember it's crazy uh i had a i had a georgetown hoyas one when i was oh, younger. That's a popular one yeah alan iverson you know all that uh, I had a Georgetown Hoyas one, and then uh, also a Charlotte Hornets one. Like in Chicago, yep. it wasn't Larry smart Jonathan. to wear the Bulls one because uh, you got shot if you were Bulls because people would yeah, take yeah. it from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, it was like super depressing because I I really felt my age, and it was kind of funny. Like for these kids in there, they were kind of they were buying history. Like you could tell for them, it's yeah. worth it. Because for them, it really was vintage. For me, all it would be was rebuying my childhood. There may have been stuff in there that might have been mine when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Literally buying it back from these fools at a hundred times cost. You know what I mean? Like, um, but then like it, it was funny walking down like these aisles and seeing all this stuff from not even my child. Some of it was right. from like, my young adulthood. That like is considered vintage, and I just Crazy. remember thinking I was I was sitting there thinking like, "Yo, I threw all this stuff away. Be, I threw out what I thought was worthless, and it was like it's a treasure to these kids. Oh, like, sure, it, it is worth so much now. And I was just sitting there like thinking like, and I mean every generation has that, right? Like, yeah, oh, totally. Every every generation like, like I remember my father in law was telling me about uh, like he has a bunch of baseball cards, um. Yeah. And, you know, like Mickey Mantles, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, and then he was just telling me, you should have seen, he kept saying, help me, like, you should have seen the stuff I threw out. Yeah, right, right. But anyways, right. yeah, yeah. So That's have crazy. you ever, like, thrown, do you have any of that stuff or did you throw yeah, it all yeah, out yeah. too, that kind of stuff? Yeah, by the way, I'm wondering if those kids, when you were walking around, if they were like, oh, there's one of them right there. There's, <laughs> there's, like, a, I, there's a, I, there's a vintage the human being. <laughs> Like I haven't seen like, one like Do that. they pay that guy to walk around? Like, are they helping out old people <laughs> right? at this store? It's just for no, the but vibes. You should have seen the look the girl at the front gave me, though, when I walked in. <laughs> that, that was, dude, you would have loved it. She looked at me like, uh, hello, I guess. Like, jeez. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Like, I, I was, yeah, it was not a, it was not a pleasant, pleasant yes, yes, uh, interchange. Yes, feel great. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, first off, I remember what the walking in Wicker Park and one of those, <laughs> those fancy t-shirt shops where they're all like vintage or like custom. 
Uh-huh. And I happen to walk in, and this guy's like, oh, dude, that is so sick. Where'd you get your shirt from? <laughs> and I <laughs> couldn't, like, I couldn't get myself to tell him my wife had bought it from Old Navy for me. It was just a, a nice. picture of a cassette tape. <laughs> oh, And I'm just like, oh, awesome. I can't even remember, man. You know, I just found it, you know, whatever. Uh, so it is funny, uh, a lot of time, the value that's just based on <laughs> the hype, right? <laughs> but right, 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 yeah, right, right. you know, starter jacket for sure, dude. You know, so I didn't live in Chicago, small town, Oklahoma. So I wasn't going to get a sh- shot for that. I would have gotten shot for other things. But uh, dude, <laughs> my Chicago Hunting Bulls. Accidents. Yes. I mean, I tried to explain this. I actually preached a sermon a few years ago to like people in their twenties and they didn't really understand star jackets. And I tried to explain, <laughs> you tell me if I'm wrong here. It's like, it's hard to explain. Cause it's almost like, was it, I, I wouldn't even go far to say status symbol. There's just something about whatever team you decided to wear and you'd wear on the mm-hmm. playground. It was like, a, it was part of like sharing who you were a little bit. So it was a big decision. Like which oh, sure, team yeah. will I represent? What, what color? Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. And I, I remember just arguing with myself, um, which one, and then I finally went with the Bulls, and it was so Great such choice. a treasure for me, man. I actually yeah. looked up a few years ago. I was writing a blog about this kind of stuff, and I looked up the actual model because I just wanted to find it and have a picture of uh-huh. it because I don't have that. Like you said, at some point, I probably gave it away in junior high, not even thinking about it. Um, an example that's even a little weirder is I really got into wakeboarding because in Oklahoma, there's not a lot to do. And so you go to the lakes Uh and I bought, I invested what for me at the time was a lot of money in an O'Neill wakeboard. O'Neill, it's like this surfing (laughs) company. And and I created, I even made this holder that I put on the wall of my room and like put it up there. And uh, it was so important to me. And I sold it at some point. I just got rid of it after I stopped doing that kind of, sports and i was i was recently thinking i'd be like man that's that's such a cool thing to have and to pass down at some point and it's just a bummer that i got rid of it so yeah i mean i can't imagine how much of that stuff i'm gonna look back at some point just be like man what was i thinking someone talked about how in your youth like in your youth you you spend all your time trying to to get new things and so you mm-hmm. throw away the old and in your old age you work really hard to try to get back everything you threw away oh like my gosh so i don't know about you um i'm i'm my personality is very much i'm a purger and oh so, me too like, me too I, I i wouldn't say so i never thought like of myself man i'm a minimalist right i never mm-hmm. thought that of myself growing mm-hmm. up but it's because I kind of grew up in a very minimalist home. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought it was normal. Right. Um, and so like when, when I got married, <laughs> and <laughs> tell me if your experience of this, uh, like one of the biggest things when you get married, I feel like that people don't really talk about is kind of the style of home you're going to have like as you get married because it's like yes obviously it's the bringing together of two lives all that (laughs) all that good stuff whatever Uh, (laughs) but it also is like a bringing together of your furniture of your pictures of all that kind of stuff and uh cat cat is very much my wife is very much a she likes her home to express 
herself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so if you know my wife at all, she, she like, so she loves like colors and like, like, you know, like she had this rug that literally was just like a circle of like 10 different colors and stuff. And she loved it. Mm-hmm. And like everything I own is in the grayscale, right? It's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's yes. like black, white yep. or grayscale. Um, but then the thing is, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with my mom hung maybe two pictures up in the entire house. She, it's not like because she didn't have other pictures to hang up. She would rotate them. Just these two pictures on the entire <laughs> in the entire house. Uh, just things like that. And so, like, for us as a family, it was a regular thing for us to purge, purge ourselves of material things. Because I had that mentality so much, there were so many things that I threw away that later on I would, like, regret. Yeah. You know what I mean? what happened between Kat and I is like, she, she taught me that like having some color and things on the wall and stuff is actually a really nice thing. But also she's also taught me not to throw away things like my birth certificate and my social security <laughs> card, <laughs> which, uh, she saved me a lot of pain. By helping me too. <laughs> I'm glad um, but anyways, it. like, I, so what are you like? I, I, I can, yeah. I think I can guess, but what are you like? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, pretty similar to you. And and I would say Lori is the same as me. We are, we both really do not like clutter. And so, I, I've legitimately have have had a friend tell us uh, that our house, in their opinion, is very uh, minimalist decorated. Which I don't think that's entirely <laughs> true. But but I, I think yeah, when most people come in, they're a little surprised. They're just like, uh, we do like to decorate and we do like certain stuff, but we're pretty meticulous about uh the amount um and similar mm-hmm. to you like i love purging my goodness there's something just so freeing and and good about that and, I, and i'm much more in the vein of if i clean out the garage let's say it's spring you know my tendency will be like ah uh, let's see could i could i sell this yeah could i do something else with it or i could just throw it away <laughs> It's like, right, ah, right. let's just chunk it, uh, which I know is not great for the environment. I'm working on that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and, and even as you were talking, I think what's interesting is, you know, the thing you and I talk about all the time, there's just, there's some pros and cons and it's like, it's, there's so much good in that, right? Like mm-hmm. as a aspiring writer, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned is the power of editing. It's like, that's the majority of writing. It's not you know, oh, accumulation wow. yeah. of tons of words. It's like cutting out the ex the excess and all the right. the stuff you don't really need. And of course that's what minimalism is. But there yeah, I I get exactly what you're saying too of like these things of value. And I think as you were talking, that's what I feel like it's not about just the stuff, but it's about uh vintage. I love that word that you that you keep using vintage because I think the power of vintage and why we're all drawn to it to a certain degree is because of the the story it represents. It's not the stuff. It's like like the starter jacket. Right, right. Is it really worth three hundred dollars? No, you could get a better no. jacket for like twenty bucks at Walmart probably. Right. But it's the fact of what you said it already. It's like the history. This tells a story. You know, if if mm-hmm. I could find a bull starter jacket, I might buy one. <laughs> Just because, <laughs> uh, again, it's not because I would want to wear it it's because it would remind me of this time of my life where it was so cool and it, it gave me identity. And so I think there's, there are definitely things we need to leave and let go of, but there's things that 
uh, are valuable because of the stories they represent. I love that analogy you made with like the writing thing. Hmm. Cause like, I feel like it's that way in art and painting and design as well. Like, man, how do I explain this? I think there's like a balance that, that every artist kind of wants to achieve in their work. And part of that is taking out, but then like sometimes you take out too much. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it, it, it shifts the balance and then the bal- you lose that balance again. Like it's like, um, because I'm like that too. I, I, I tend to be the, the splatter everywhere and then edit things out type of person, you yeah. know, like I love that Michelangelo quote where he's just like the statue already is yeah, in that yeah. hunk of marble or whatever it is. And his job is just to take away until it reveals itself. But like the problem with that is when you take away too much, like it's hard to replace what you took away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's hard to, it's hard to. And so like in, in, it's funny because a lot of times what happens to me, which is like, which is the opposite problem of like this purging type of mentality. I tend to edit myself too much then where oh, right, right, right. it's almost like, and you and I talk about this every once in a while, but, uh, and it's not always from like just a mistake, but I edit myself in order to protect myself because like, I'm scared yeah, to, yes. to have that messiness out there. I'm scared to yeah. have that. Uh, so what I what I got ever since I was very young, uh, kind of a critique I always got was everything I produced was very muted. Oh, uh, right. Oh, that's you know good. What I mean? That's good. And so like when you when you purge a little yes. too much, like you you don't get the full vibrant version of so like because like I feel like with every if if you're an artist if you're a designer if you're a writer whatever it is like all work is creative right like if 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 you don't come with everything that has happened to you in the past, like you kind of come to an incomplete conclusion an incomplete mm-hmm. work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like that's the other side of it. Like, obviously yep. you need to edit, but otherwise it's just a hot mess. Right. Yep. And nobody will understand what you're talking about. Nobody understand what it's about or like what you're trying to do. But then on the other hand, there is this danger of having this muted yes. piece that doesn't say anything. It's vanilla. It's just middle yes. of the road what I want to get better at and, and I, is the best storytellers find the balance that you're seeing. Cause mm-hmm. we've all heard this, this storytellers where it's just like meandering over detailed. just like, <laughs> okay, I don't care Dude, what street you were, you were on at four o'clock <laughs> and you're just, and you just inevitably the question you always say is what is your point? What right. is the point? You get going? to it, get to it. Yeah. Where are you going with this? But then on the flip side, you edit a story too much and you just say, you know, I was at the bakery and I got a, a roll and then I tripped and I uh, hit my knee and now I'm back. It's like, okay. You just, like, <laughs> is there anything else in there? Like, Well, it's the, the question you asked then is who cares? Yes. Who cares? Totally. And, and I think what you said too, though, is you said muted. It's like the best stories have color to them. That's what makes mm. them good. Like you have yeah. to have some details. You have to have some quirky things in there that that make give it a, a sense of place and uh, it, it gives it color and flavor. So I love that. Like you and I talk about movies on this podcast all the time, but is that you and I have talked about this very thing? It's like our favorite movies have a point of view. They have some quirkiness. They have some of those uh-huh. elements that if you edit too yep. much of it out of that, you're just like, well, this is just 
the same story that every movie is told. So you just got to have some kind of uniqueness that you keep in there. And then just you remember to, that Christian that Christian movie service where they would edit out all the stuff they deemed unchristian from <laughs> movies and then release them, and no, then the stories would. You've never heard of this, and so like they would literally do that. They would ki- they all any kind of killing, <laughs> swearing, whatever they deemed quote unquote unchristian, right? They would edit that out. And you remember that movie, uh, "Be Kind, Please Rewind" or something with Jack oh, Black yeah, and Mel's yeah. death. I do remember that. Yeah. You remember how they they sweeted the movies, you know, and the yes, like, yes. was the sweetest. But it's kind of like they they Christian these movies, and like, <laughs> and the the end result is nothing like the original movie because they took out all the color. Yeah. And yeah, so like, yeah. it's like they would release these movies as these Christian versions of these movies. And that's just like, and the thing, the funny thing was a lot of them were like half, half the movie was gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yes. it's just like, what's the point? You know, yes. it just reminded me of that. Like, that's good, I, dude. <laughs> no, I love that dude. And it's hard not to, to do another orbit right here and just tie it into like, it, you know, what you said earlier of like, it makes sense that as you get older, you're sort of uh, trying to reach back to some of that flavor and that color because mm-hmm. isn't that what life, like that's part of what gives life its meaning and it's, and yeah. it's beauty is the quirks is the, you know, the starter jacket gives me a little bit more of a flavor <laughs> to my life. And I, right, right. I keep using that yeah, example. No, no. I don't, I don't want to hang a starter jacket in my closet, by the way, uh, but I think it's a perfect <laughs> example of like, I don't want to get you for Christmas. Though. <laughs> if you spend three hundred dollars on one, man, I, I will. It. I will You'd hang be it so up. mad at me. <laughs> I really would. You'd be like, oh, do you know me? <laughs> but you know, as we're talking, I didn't even think of this. I've got uh, this right in front of me. I got this picture of an old record of an old Wilco record right in front of me. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And it's, and and that's what old records do is like, it just gives me, I remember when I bought this record, it's a picture of Chicago. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's like these kind of things, man, if we edit those out too much, if we get rid of all that, it's like our life just becomes, uh, muted. I think that's a great word. I I love it. Like, I feel like a good storyteller has, like, certain anchors that they have, right? And so, like, you know, you'll never see a movie tell a person's life in real time. Like, you won't have to sit oh, totally. there for 25 years to hear the 25-year-old story. You know what I mean? They choose these anchors mm-hmm. to, to drop in and see, okay, so this is what happened when they are 10. Mm-hmm. And this is what happened when they are 16. And that it, it formed this person here. And so I feel like sometimes... Like we need to choose those things in our past that that, that are going to anchor yes. our story. You oh, know what I mean? Good. And so, like that—that's why I think stuff like that starter jacket means so much because it's not yes. like we we keep talking about. It. It's not about that starter jacket, right? Yep. For me, it's not about that Hoya's jacket. But it was more that feeling of, you know, when I when I bought that Hoya's jacket, I remember the, I still remember that day I went to school afterwards and my friends were like, "Yo, like." Yep where'd you get that? That's so cool. And I was just like, so proud. And I felt like in a very superficial way, but I think as a teenager, a really important way, mm-hmm. I felt accepted. I felt yep. like, Oh man, like, Oh, I am cool. Like kind of thing, you know? And even though that's not the most important thing, but still like, yeah. I felt this sense of community, yes. you know? And like, and it was beyond that too. It was the idea of like the basketball teams and like for me, Allen Iverson and mm-hmm. just things like that, where it's just like, Oh, like, and so like, yeah, I, I I think anchors, but then it's kind of funny to me. It equates to something we've talked about 
uh, before, but it's uh, it's the whole idea of Ebenezer's, right? Too. It's just yeah, like these yes. these things that like kind of yep. anchor your story, and you could kind of. There's a reason why we remember that. If it meant, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are so many things we got growing up that we've thrown away that we don't remember. Like, yeah. And there's no way to prove that because obviously I don't remember it. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. Like, there, we remember these things because they held special meaning to our development and our story. It meant something to us. There was a whole bunch of in that in that vintage store I was walking through. There was a whole bunch of old Michael Jordan videos, and I'm like. In Chicago, that tells you everything you need to know about the 90s in Chicago is the the Bulls and Michael Jordan. Like, there's so many things you can, like, so many things that people growing up then, they have anchors with the Bulls in their storylines. And it affected them in a certain way. And they remember, like, for me, watching the games with my dad. Those are special moments for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Isn't it interesting that that only works in reverse? Time-wise. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, remember at the end of The Office, Andy Bernard has that quote, I oh, wish yeah. someone would invent classic, something classic quote. that yeah. lets us know uh, that 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 lets us know something like that we're in the good old times. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know? Yeah, I like, wish we knew we were in the good times when we're in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way moving forward. It only works right. that way looking back. Yeah. And like... Like that part of it's really interesting to me because like to me, like as far as like my worldview, as far as my view of what the kingdom of God is, all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like that's how redemption works is backwards, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of weird. Like I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of what I grew up with was um, kind of like telling me that God's gonna make your future better right so he's gonna make everything okay mm-hmm. you're gonna if you if you believe in god you'll have an easy life things are all gonna work out for you you're gonna be blessed but i don't the more i dive into our faith the less i feel it works that way i feel like it's more like because like there to me that's like a lesser power right i, I don't know how else to describe this is like completely off the top of my brain so excuse <laughs> me but like to me, that's always like a lesser power. The real power is in taking something that's already happened, taking that anchor and having it mean something in the future. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like that's that was all that's always been interesting to me mm-hmm. when I thought when I would think of the vintage stuff. Oh, it's like it yeah, only yeah. it only means something in the future. It doesn't mean anything in I mean, it only means something if you're looking back on it as opposed to looking forward to it. It, it means less. Like, it's given its value because it's already passed, but it only has value because you've assigned the value to it mm-hmm. in the past. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's how, like, that. that is, to me, that's the redemptive journey, right? It yes. Is you go through something, and it could be really hard stuff. But somehow in the future, when you look back on it, you look at it as a positive thing. And to me, that moment's been redeemed, right? That moment has, has, uh, has gone through a process of redemption and that anchor exists because it reminds you that God redeems stuff. Yeah. And so like, Oof. um, so it's interesting to me, like the, the time thing there, like how it works, where it's just like, you never know in the moment, yes. you only know after you've gone through it and you look at it in your rear view mirror. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, before you even mention Ebenezer, I just wrote down 
as you were talking, I wrote down monuments. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's the same concept. Monuments we are a marking moment, uh, something we want to mark to, to remember the story of what happened here. And I, I'm right there with you with the looking back because what a lot of people don't understand about the stories of the Israelites is they were written way after they happened, right? Uh, right. You know, I've alluded to this in yes. the past, but it's like uh-huh. most of the Old Testament stories that we just, we think, uh, you know, in our minds, rightfully so, we probably assume, you know, that they were written as they were happening. Like, okay, so someone's writing all these things about Moses and the Jonah story. Like a newspaper, right? Yeah, right. yeah. It's like they're reporting on this. Yeah. Someone's got a phone with them and recording the audio. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, most scholars believe, and I do too, that most of these stories were passed down and passed down and weren't actually written until way later when right. the Israelites were in history. captivity. Right. And to your point, it's like they were writing these stories. Not that they didn't happen. That's not the claim I'm trying to make. I think they happened. But they were writing them with an understanding of being in captivity, of seeing the the meaning of like God rescuing out of Egypt. Ah. Because they could see that yes. this was the God who would rescue them again. So it gave them hope. Right. It gave them a monument to stand on. I think, you know, even going as far as Jesus, I think what we're saying so far is like <laughs> the two extremes are sort of leaving everything behind or keeping everything. And I think right. the extremes that some people think of Jesus is that he just left all of the Israel Old Testament, the law and prophets. And, uh, and that's not actually true. He actually, everything he said was in reference to what had happened in the past. It was always <laughs> right. a bringing back up, but it also wasn't just keeping everything. It was like, yes, you've heard it said, and yes, it's true, but it's time for, you know, I'm bringing a, a new uh, a new way, yeah. you know? And right. so it's like, yeah. there's something there of like, yeah, we have to leave and cleave <laughs> a lot of things in our life <clears throat> to enter into a new life. Like you said, with marriage, yeah. with, you know, just being an adult, and we always need to be progressing and evolving while holding on to the stories and the monuments and the beauty of redemption, like the redemption moments. Uh, that's, right. that's good, dude. And if we don't look in the past, if we don't take the time to look at those things, like we miss it. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we were talking about earlier, like, I, I guess when you and I were just talking about like, there's a show uh, I'm watching right now called foundations. Mm-hmm foundation i'm sorry it's on apple tv uh and it's like a science fiction thing you and i well documented science fiction (laughs) nerds uh the nerdier it is the more we love it um yeah but anyways but there is this there is this line and kind of like a a a kind of a thread that goes through all the episodes um where it talks about the the ghosts that haunt us and it's like and it talks about how in our past there are these ghosts that haunt us, and like, mm. um, and how how if we ignore the ghosts of our past, that we're we're doomed to repeat them, kind of thing. Oh, yeah, we're yeah, doomed yeah. to become oh, them. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I I I think about that kind of stuff all the time. I remember the first time I ran into this concept was in high school. We read this book called Beloved, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was basically so it it was basically about um this couple who i 
man, I'm trying to remember correctly, who used to be slaves. Um, they have this baby, but the baby is actually a ghost as a representation <laughs> of the, the traumas from the past and how they can't get past this. It's crazy book. Well, uh, 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 scarring movie. Our teacher <laughs> took us to watch it. Uh, and I was 15 and I was not ready to watch that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Oprah was in it. It was just a huge movie, but like still, <laughs> as an adult, it was amazing. But yeah. anyways, um, but this idea that like your past can haunt you, mm. you know, it, it kind of explore those ideas. But like, it makes me think like, so it's especially more as an adult, like even now, I, I think if you're a person who's like thinking about their lives, I think you're constantly in this in this cycle of renewal right you're constantly like you're mm-hmm. constantly growing and all that so you're constantly leaving something behind and holding on to something new mm-hmm. but then particularly when it comes to like the ideas around my faith i feel like the last probably like six seven years have been like like a real shift so like i, mm-hmm. I think i go through a like i remember one of my counselors told me he observed in my life that like you seem to go through kind of like a cocooning and then like a coming out of your cocoon every like 10 years, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like recently I've been going through kind of like this thing where it's just like kind of rethinking my faith. W- what is it that I believe mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And and the thing is obviously, so that statement can sound so pretentious because I think a lot of people our age are going through that right now. Sure. Uh, you know, late millennials, Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call us now? They, I think they call us uh, geriatric elder. millennials, right? Uh, elder, I've heard <laughs> elder millennial, but I'll accept geriatric <laughs> too. <laughs> but anyways, like I, I feel like a lot of us are doing that, um, that kind of that reconstruction that sure, um, of our faith, you know. And mm-hmm. the the question that I have to wrestle with a lot is like, man, am am I letting go of the right things? Yes. Right. right. Like, because my, because as a purger, my (laughs) tendency is to be like, I'm just going to let go of all of it. Like all of it was bad. I just, I'm just going to start over. Like, Mm -hmm. I just need to let go of all of it. Right. But the problem is when you do that, like we talked about, what I end up with is a very bland thing. I'm I'm no longer standing anywhere. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then like, uh, like I, I find that like there are moments when we need our faith to stand somewhere. We need our faith yeah. to to be strong and to maybe go against what culture is saying. And sometimes we need to reaffirm what culture is saying, sure. but we need to be wise about what it is that we do. Like, for instance, like, you know, like I, I threw away a lot of the Christian culture that I grew up with that, mm-hmm. you know, like getting in the car and my mom would turn on Steven Curtis Chapman mm-hmm. and like different things like that. But if I'm like super honest and like, luckily only like five people listen to this podcast. So <laughs> uh, if I were to, if I were to admit something, there are times where I miss some of those songs and not necessarily because of the songs themselves, but because of the, it reminds me of the, the tradition of faith that I come from, mm-hmm. from my parents. Like my parents were super intentional about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like what kind of input we had, like 
all that. My parents were really intentional and like they prayed over us all the time. It reminds me of that, yeah. you know, yep. and there's a part of me I've noticed that I was throwing that away too, yeah. which is like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. well, like, and I think you've been kind of dealing with this too, is like, it sometimes makes me want to go back to like denominationalism kind of thing where it's like, where it's like, maybe there's some answers right. in traditions, yep. you know, that uh, they, they survived for a reason. You know what I mean? Yep. But then even that gets complicated for me as a person of color. It yes. becomes very complicated for me. Yes. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> I literally say this every podcast, but uh, I'm so glad we named, we titled our podcast Orbits because it's so helpful for me as we go around it because it's just the same. We're talking about the same things. And just like we said with stuff, it's like yeah, it'd be weird, and I don't think it would be mature to just have the exact same theology you had as a sixth grader, right? Or like, oh, it would just I be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I basically believed in magic when I was in sixth grade, dude. I that was. See, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and so on one hand, it's like, of course, like. Uh, you know, you and I use this word a lot, but transformation is it, like that to me is like one, one, if not the main goal of following Christ. Mm -hmm. So of course we would not like be exactly like there'd be so much we've changed and grown from, but to, yes, exactly what you're saying. So often that becomes like, it's hard not to just dismiss it all and be like, well, yeah, yeah no, it was all yeah. garbage or it was. <laughs> I'm sick of it all and I I've got baggage from everything and it's like no that's that's not true either and going back to our sort of story metaphor it's like the best stories embrace the uniqueness of the character and it, and that's been hard for me as a person like that grew up in small town Oklahoma and sort of have always you know if I'm really honest sort of been envious of like you growing up in Chicago, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I feel like a lot of my thinking and just my, the things I enjoy might align more with San Francisco or Chicago or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's a, there's always been a part of me that's just almost wanted to completely dismiss all that past, but learning how to realize like, no, that's a part of what just makes me a character and like my yeah. authentic self, if I'm going to be an artist or a pastor, whatever it is, uh, the best version of me is actually when I lean into, I'm from this small town and I've got this weird, I lived in a circus yep. town and, and you and I've talked about that in the past, but, uh, but with faith, yeah, it's like, I was just talking to uh, a friend recently who was asking me like, what's something about your church past that you just really are not cynical about and you really enjoy. And I, I told him, like, I remember sixth to eighth grade, like youth group was the best thing in the world to me. Like I felt yeah. accepted. Uh, I had fun. I had people that cared for me in that awkward phase of life where you're trying to figure out who you are. There are a group of people, including some adults that just really showed me love and a place to belong. Mm -hmm. And that helped form me to your, to your point. That was, that uh, truly helped show me who Christ was and what the kingdom of Jesus was like. Right, and sometimes right. I'll con connect youth group to like purity culture or like, uh, <laughs> you know, a yeah. theology that was j only about 
heaven and hell and atonement. Yep. And so uh-huh. I'll be frustrated with that. And so to exactly what we're talking about here is like often I'll just be like, Ugh, youth group. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. no, it's that's not it. It's way more nuanced and complex than that. It's like, no, it, yes, <laughs> that stuff probably messed me up for a while. But there was also just so much beauty in that. And For um, me, just like you, youth group was a complicated thing, right? Mm-hmm. On the one hand, yeah, like a lot of that purity culture kind of like, and not just purity culture from a, like a sexual standpoint, but like just in general, like, yeah. don't do this, don't do cuss. that. Like, yeah, yeah right, right, right. Don't watch these movies, like mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, like, don't hang out with these type of people, yep. which is so funny. Like the... This is a side note, but have you noticed that when you enter a culture like that, all the people they tell you not to hang out with are the people Jesus hung out with? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. it's really funny. Um, but anyways, but on the other hand, like, how do you know what it is that you mm. hang on to? And I love that phrase you use, the best version of yourself. Mm. Like, because there were moments in my past that really helped me become the best yes. version of myself. Yep. You know, even the stuff that's quote unquote like bad, help me become the best version of myself. So I cannot throw it out. Like, I love the whole thing because like, it's funny. I think just naturally you made a separation between like kind of that's your spiritual past and your Oklahoma past, mm. but it's kind of like, it's kind of one in the same, totally. you know, like, totally. like, you know, like. Uh, if you don't mind me sharing, I know recently you had that experience where you were in like a workshop with your writing and, and, yeah, and the yeah, person the person running the workshop told you like basically his feedback to you was like to embrace that past because yes. it has so much to do with yep. like because yeah like it has absolutely everything to do with like your spiritual kind of like viewpoint and mm-hmm. it's not just with church stuff but like with my Korean stuff there are so many things where I'm like man I hated doing certain things like like for instance like I mean I think I've talked about this but I was in ESL like for like three years in my mm-hmm. life but like mm-hmm. i was born in america I, but i was in english as a second language my because my parents instilled so much korean stuff yes. in me because their philosophy was you're gonna learn english anyways you live in america <laughs> <laughs> which so here's the thing as an adult i am so thankful they did that mm. i'm I, I would i would definitely do it the same exact way all if I had to do it over again, you know what wow. I mean? Cause it gave me a deeper point of view growing up in America. It gave mm-hmm. me a second point of view, which made me understand that there could be a third, fourth, fifth, sixth point of view. It gave yes. me so much empathy. You know what I mean? Yes. That's and good. so like, like, but then there was so much of that. I wanted to throw away when I was younger, you know, yes. but right. I'm, I'm so glad I kept it. And it's like, I don't know. But so I, I guess the question I want to ask is like, what not not like you've come to a final answer because if you did you need to write a book or we need to write a book (laughs) and you need to share some of the profit with me um (laughs) but uh so far in your life what kind of where have you landed as far as okay these are the things i need to keep these Mm. are the things i need to let go of like what's that filter look like for you it's so funny Mm. because for me it comes back down to the basics that I was tempted to throw away from the beginning, which is like stuff like scripture being, being anchored in scripture and seeing like, and not just like, uh, because the Bible tells me so type of crap, which like is a whole other thing. Um, if you couldn't tell what my opinion of that tradition is, but like more like, 
really digging into the yeah. story of the Bible and the yeah. and the heart of God that you discover it, it mm-hmm. within it, and the and, and specifically through the life of Jesus, like yes, like you know, like one of the best things I ever heard was uh, Richard Rohr talks about uh, that Jesus didn't come here to teach you how to become God. He actually came here to teach you how to be the best human. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. which I'm like, oh my God. Like, be, and then he, because what he's saying is Jesus came here to reinforce the idea that being human is a valuable thing. Yes. You know, which yeah. is like, of course, because becoming God is just idolatry, right? Yes. So of course it doesn't make sense that Jesus came here to teach you to be God. No, he came here to teach you to be human That's and good. like to see, so within scripture to discover over and over again, the heart of God and the heartbeat of God through the life of Jesus. But then also through like the narrative of the Bible, like finding out God's heart. And like, it's more like, how do I become a reflection of that in this world? And like, and like, mm-hmm. I think another really important thing is to knowing how to keep things is like, like conversations you and I have, you know, yeah. where I'll throw something out to you and you'll just be like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds kind of dumb. And I'll be like, you know what? I trust you. You must think it's dumb for a reason. But like that kind of community, it's like, it's so basic. Yes. And what yes. I'm finding is, as I get older, it becomes more and more nuanced. A lot of the stuff that mm. I thought I was going to throw away forever, I am ending up keeping. Like this idea of a regular morning like devotional, which <laughs> once again, I am not a proponent for like quiet times and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but just having a moment in the morning to pause and be silent and read scripture it's like I threw that stuff in my parents' face. I didn't do it because I was like, just because they told me to do it. But it's so weird as an adult now. I'm just like, nah, like I need to keep that. Like that's something that really does make me the best version of myself. You yes. know what I mean? But it's yes. just stuff like that. Um, but then like um, like like me and my wife are still in a like like kind of like still on the journey of trying to find a church home right now. Yeah. And it's funny the stuff that um starting to value it's like the idea of tradition and the idea Mm -hmm. of of groundedness and Mm -hmm. um you know like those kind of things that i thought as a young person was like kind of corny i'm like no like those are the anchors that help me become like the best human i can be you know what i mean well that's uh (laughs) so much good stuff there dude and, and the other piece, I just love that you have really, like the core of this conversation is around the word vintage. Because I was just thinking about like, <laughs> what a great word. And what a, it's so interesting that some of the things that are most valued in our world are vintage. And we would say yeah, they get yeah. better with age. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a wine, you know, you say it's vintage, you know, 1970. And it's like, wow, this is like $30,000 because apparently it's going to get better, like cheese yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or the thing, like the things we're sharing, like these, my mom recently bought me an old typewriter from like the fifties. It's like, it's, oh, that's cool. you know, it's cooler now than it was then. But on the flip side, you know, an old hamburger is not going to get better <laughs> with age. <laughs> right? Gross. Right? It's like. Uh, there are some things, it doesn't matter how long you leave it. It's like, they're just going to get worse with age. And, and so I just, I'm just confirming this fact of things you and I have said of like, it requires testing. What are the things that are just true vintage that are just going to help give me value? And what are things that are like, they were sort of toxic <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they're yeah. going to spoil me. They're going to they're getting worse. And so I need to just, just leave a, them behind. 
What's that? And just to push the metaphor. Like, yeah, yeah, please push it. There are some wines that are not good the older they get. Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right. That's so good. like it's it's even more complicated and more yes. nuanced. Um and there's some hamburgers that are I better think, after like, um, age. <laughs> well, there there is like dry aged beef. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yep, there you go. Yeah. That works. <laughs> we really push that metaphor. I think that's <laughs> That's as far as the wheels go. The wheels brought to fall off there. That um, should be the subtext of our podcast. Pushing metaphors <laughs> to the death. Unseen orbits, unseen orbits beating a dead horse. <laughs> it is a dynamic fluid process, right? Mm, like Yeah, yeah. You never arrive, right? Yeah. Ten years from now, I'm I hope we are both continuing to wrestle with that. And absolutely. And to keep, uh, if I can just beat this metaphor one more time, just hit it one more time. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. Isn't it like, isn't that the problem with some people we see who cling to, that don't do the hard work of wrestling with what they need to leave behind, that hold on to traditional values and end up like uh, toxic people? Right, like mm. whether that's racism or some like weird version of patriotism or just nationalism, you know, like right. My parents told me this, and it's the tribe I come from, but I've never reflected on like, is this a good oh, value to hold on to? And it, and I think that's part spoils. of what we run away from, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so I think for me, like the anchors that I'm holding on to, one of them, you know, is one it's pretty evident listening to us talk over the years is like is family slash community when it comes to what is oh, faith yeah, yeah. you know what is mm-hmm. what is god what is discipleship there's something in there where it's like whenever i think of my past and i think of my relationship with jesus or whatever that means for me it's it usually is tied into family or mm-hmm. relationships you know and yeah. so i want that to continue with my family but also like you know with my friends and with community it's like that is a that's a value i hold on to similar to you this uh the early morning thing <laughs> i'm right there with you dude i you could even <laughs> very literally call what i do every morning a quiet time which like <laughs> right. you that's I, what it is <laughs> it's it's such exactly what we're talking about it's like i have so much baggage with that word because of where i always heard it and what uh-huh. it meant but uh-huh. when you just break it down to to what like a quiet time journaling with God and meditating for me, it's like, yeah, that's one of the things that gives my life great, like centering and, and worth, you know? So I, yeah. I love that as well. Uh, I've dropped Christian music, so I'm not like you. I don't want to listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman on my commute to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I do want to clarify that I'm not listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman on my way to work. Too late, um, dude. We've got it on. We've got it on record. That is not what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, but maybe related to that, I still believe that art, music, creativity is one of the easiest ways for me to experience God. So I do cling to that. I think they're obviously I've sort of expanded my view on what that art can look like. Yeah. But yes, I mean, I still very much feel like putting on a record at the end of the day can probably mm-hmm. get me in a place spiritually um, yeah. better sometimes than like reading a book or reading scripture even. Um, but holding uh, on to stuff like yeah. 
I, I feel like speaking of holding on to stuff like one one place you and I I think have a commonality is uh there's nothing like a really good like hymn for me. Like I oh, love yeah. the old hymns. That's good. You know? Uh I still okay, gosh, this is this is really embarrassing. But like <laughs> uh so if I ever need cheap art supplies, I go to Hobby Lobby. Okay. And Hobby Lobby is always playing yeah, instrumental they, hymns. They blast like, it constantly. But dude, it always gets me in a good place because it just reminds oh, me of singing yeah. hymns growing up at church. Right. Like, um, and something about those hymns, having gone throughout history, like I know people have been singing them from centuries. It gives me a reassurance, man. Like it, it just yeah. does. Um, that's maybe really that's cool. a crutch, but I, it's a crutch I need, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you there. I mean, it's it's obviously one of the most popular hymns ever. But yeah, it is wealth my soul. You know, if there's a phrase that can better explain the transcendent peace of God, yeah, I don't, you try to you try to write a better line than that. You know, and then and then obviously the entire hymn. It's just like yes, it's like wow, that can just bring me to a place of like right. This is what it means mm-hmm. to just be content in the moment with God. Yeah. That's it's yeah, beautiful, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, great point, great point. I'd th- I'd say the last one for me that just popped in my head is like my family. And, and this ties into what you said about just where I grew up as well as like, I did not grow up in the concrete jungle as you did. Um, <laughs> I grew up just in open spaces, you know, where it's yeah. like you walk outside and you're surrounded by trees and all that. So I think for me to this day, nature connects me to God in a, in a way that I, I can get there for sure. And, and beautiful like architecture as well. But, uh, if I go out in nature, it just, uh, I didn't appreciate that until I married Kat and mm. we were able to go to her parents' place in Ohio and they live in a, in a bunch of nature. There is something about that. So there's something about dead silence because like, yes. even in the suburbs here, I never, yeah. I'm never in dead silence. Right. Like I, there's all, it may seem quiet, but there's something happening. There's always yep. a buzzing, mm-hmm. but there's something about absolute dead silence. You can hear your heartbeat type of silence. Yes. It does. It does something like it, it kind of reconnects me back to something um, in the yes. ether. I don't even know what it is, but um, but absolutely, uh, that's something I've come to appreciate later. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I'm gonna be thinking about this conversation for a while. Like, I don't know about for <laughs> right. you, but the, even this word "vintage" is just sort of taking on a new meaning for me. Like, I'm yeah. just thinking through, like, wow, what does it mean? Uh, to have these vintage monuments in my life that mm. are eight, like they get better with age. Like they bring yeah, yeah. more value. It's awesome. Also think about how a bunch of these young adults think that you are vintage. So <laughs> think about that too. <laughs> oh dude, I know there's no doubt about that. No doubt. Oh yeah. Cool, man. All right. Anything else you want to say to our, uh, orbiters? No, I think I said everything I wanted to say today. We've orbited a lot. Yeah. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you.